strategy is one of the most important roles of leadership. Today we will be talking about it, what it is, what it isn't, and how you can come up with a strategy for your company or organization. Welcome to the Whole Grain Leadership Podcast, where we look at the art and science of leadership from a holistic perspective. If you want more than just a quick fix, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Here's your host, Matthias Catan. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Grain Leadership Podcast. My name is Matthias Caton. This will be another solo episode where we will talk about strategy. Now, leadership has many facets, but obviously one of the most important ones is to work with strategy. Define it, implement it, evaluate it. That's what leadership is about. This is not a topic that we can cover entirely in just one podcast episode, so we will get back to this issue probably a number of times over the course of this podcast in the future. Recently, I had to run a one-day workshop here at Frankfurt School on strategy. So uh, it was a good opportunity for me to refresh some of the things. And I thought it might be a good idea to put that into a little podcast episode. So let's, let's get started with what strategy is and what it isn't. And a lot of these things, they go back to what could be called the guru of strategy, Michael Porter. He's a professor at Harvard Business School. And he has developed many of the ideas that underlie, we understand, as corporate strategy today. And all the things I will mention, don't worry, I will put them in the show notes so you don't have to worry about missing some of the information. If you want to read more about different things, everything will be in the show notes. So let's start with a little bit of a definition of what strategy is. Now, if you imagine a company, maybe your company or any other, then you can imagine it as being a set of different activities, lots of different activities that make up this enterprise. So if you're producing something, you will have production elements, cars or other parts. You will have marketing and sales. You will have general administration. You will have research and development and so on and so forth. Different things and depending on the size and the complexity of your organization, those activities may be many, many, many. And you could map them in an activity map and you can show the connections between those elements. Here we get to the fundamental difference between strategy and other things such as operational effectiveness. And when we're talking about effectiveness, then we're talking about doing these activities, the set of activities, better than your competitors. Increasing the quality, become more effective, more efficient, less error-prone, for example. So all these things are extremely important, of course, and they are necessary for you to be successful, but they are not strategy. And the example that Michael Porter, for example, comes up with is uh, the Japanese companies in the 1970s and pr primarily 1980s, when, as the older people of you will remember, there was a huge advance in, in terms of market share from Japanese companies to the point that many in the West thought that they would be unstoppable. But the thing is that the majority of these advances were fueled by efficiency gains. So the Japanese companies, they 
were much better at that time than their Western counterparts at quality management. Uh, and so they could produce more at better quality and lower prices. If you can gain operational effectiveness as a company, that's great, and you should absolutely do that. The problem with that is that, A, it is something that is very easy to emulate, which means that if one company has figured it out, many others will probably follow. So it's a very elusive advantage, an advantage that will only hold for a very short amount of time, and it also leads companies to become more generic. If all companies are following the same trends in terms of operational effectiveness, they become more and more alike. And that is, of course, if you've ever done anything on strategy, is the opposite of what you're trying to do. So operational effectiveness is doing the same processes or activities better than your competitors. Strategy or trying to put yourself into a position of strategic advantage, on the other hand, means either doing different things than your competitors or doing the same things but getting there in a completely different way. So having completely different sets of activities. And one of the things that is fundamental about strategy, and I will repeat that a number of times, is that there are always trade-offs. You cannot do everything at the same time. You cannot be everything to everyone. That is fundamentally important. Although these things are not fully mutually exclusive, you generally have to decide whether you want to do concentrate on a limited set of products or services and offer them universally or having a broad set of features and products but for a very limited subset of customers that you are really dealing with. So for example, there are private banks who cater for all the financial needs, but not of everybody, but just of a very, very specific subset of very wealthy customers. Let's get back to the activities. If you are in the process of developing your strategy, you have to make sure that whatever you're trying to achieve, the activities that you're choosing, that they are a good fit. So they have to be looking into the same direction. If you are, for example, a no-frills airline, then all the activities that you are developing have to go into the same direction. They have to be a good fit. And ideally, they have to be mutually reinforcing because the stronger the network of activities and the better it fits into the whole system of what you're trying to achieve, the more difficult it is to emulate that position. And that is the fundamental difference to operational effectiveness. If you have strategic advantage that is represented through a network of activities that are mutually reinforcing, then it will be very, very difficult for any of your competitors to really break into that because they would have to essentially copy the entire network of activities in order to compete with you. Once again, there are always trade-offs. And Michael Porter has also famously said that the most important thing about strategy is not to decide what you want to do, but rather to decide what you don't want to do. After this bit of theory, obviously you could ask yourself, how, how do you get to this strategy? How do I develop an appropriate strategy? And again, there are tons of ways you can do that, tons of concepts. I 
just want to highlight two that might be useful. And the first one is the Blue Ocean Strategy, which was developed by two professors from INSEAD, the business school in France. And they call it the Blue Ocean Strategy because what they want to do is they want to lead you into an area where there is no competition at all. So the area where most companies are is the Red Ocean. And the Red Ocean is called the Red Ocean because there are lots of predators, sharks that are circling there. Everybody is at each other's throats and the ocean is red from the blood. And that's cutthroat competition that nobody can really win in the long run. And even if you try to expand your product portfolio, it's generally not very profitable because all profits that may exist there fast eaten away by your competitors. And the idea of this strategy is that instead you should go to the blue ocean where it's just you and you can develop completely new offerings that have no competition whatsoever. Sometimes this can be really an entirely different market, but more often than not, it will be a combination of something that you're already doing in conjunction with something else. And one of the classical examples of Blue Ocean strategy is the Cirque du Soleil, the kind of circus. And I say kind of circus because what they did, if you're familiar with it, and maybe you've seen one of their shows, is that they took the concept of circus and they combined it with visually appealing theater performances and they created a completely new kind of experience that A, attracted new segments of customers that may not have attended circuses before and they also managed to do so by introducing new elements, but also by getting rid of others. And that's very important about this concept is that the, the old notion is that there is a trade-off between value and cost does not necessarily hold. Now we'll try to explain that. So one of the things that uh, Cirque du Soleil did was they got rid of the animals. So if you've been to Cirque du Soleil, you will uh, know that there are no animals. And why was that a clever move? Well, for two reasons. One, Animals are very, very costly to maintain. And second, they did some research and they found out that the attractiveness of animals and circuses for the customers was rapidly declining because there were ethical you know, concerns, of course, about the treatments of animals. So they decided very, very cleverly that they could get rid of something that A, cost a lot of money and B, was losing attractiveness. So that's obviously a win-win situation in that sense. There are other companies that you will know who have followed a blue ocean strategy by opening up new markets. Apple, of course, is one with many of their innovative products, Facebook, Instagram, Airbnb, Netflix, and others. And what is important is that they don't do benchmarking. They don't benchmark against competitors. They only look at the blue ocean and try to go out there where there's no one else. Just bear in mind that, of course, there is a risk to everything in life and uh, the ocean may be blue and very lonely for a reason, so maybe there is no market at all. But that is maybe a risk worth taking. The other way you can approach strategic development is by looking at the purpose or the mission of your company and asking yourself, 
what do we stand for and how can we progress from that and we will you may find out that you are not necessarily in the business of producing a specific product but it's something else so imagine you're an airline you could say well we're an airline we fly people from a to b but you could also think it differently and could say well we're a provider of mobility and that of course might open up a whole set of different activities that all fall under this umbrella so this is a bit tricky to develop but it's well worth it because if you have a strong mission, a strong purpose, something you stand for that will help you with strategic coherence, then immediately it is clear to everyone in your organization what you're supposed to do and what not. So it helps with aligning internally, but it also creates a lot of trust to the outside. If you're seen as, as being something, then customers can trust in you delivering. So for example, Amazon, if you're a customer of Amazon, and I suppose that most of you are, you can be sure that A, there's everything there you need, and you can also trust in them having an excellent customer service. So if something's wrong with the product, you can always return it and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of trust that consumers put into a brand like Amazon and that helps this company because many com many customers don't even bother looking somewhere else. They go straight to Amazon, they look up the product that they need and they will order it there. Now assume that you've developed an idea for your strategy and now you want to do a little bit more of an anal analysis whether this would make sense and what, what it would imply to go down that route. And again, there is a lot of tools and frameworks that you can use. So I don't want to present them all because yeah, it would be too long and it would also probably overwhelm you. Just a very few uh, examples, actually just two that I want to present here. And the first one is something that you might have heard before because it's kind of very classical and that is the SWOT analysis. And SWOT is an acronym. It stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. And it's a two-by-two two matrix. So you have four fields. And in each of these fields, you map one of these items. So the first one is, what are your strengths? The second one, where do you see your weaknesses? Third quadrant is, what opportunities do you see? And the fourth one is what threats do exist in terms of competition, maybe, or other things. This is a bit limited tool, of course, because it's so simple. But the advantage of it is that it can be done very quickly, quick and dirty on the back of an envelope, even, you know, when listening to someone. So I encourage you to always start out with something that is really simple. Or you can also use that if you are listening to someone else explaining their ideas. If you want to have a kind of a quick overview of whether you think this makes sense or not, this is something that you can apply very, very easily. A second, a bit more complex approach, but also obviously more useful in, in that sense, is the business model canvas, which is uh, from a book that I will also put in the show notes. And this is a bit difficult to explain now without visual aids. So I'll just give you a very brief overview and basically, it's a canvas, so it is a form that you can you can print it out on A3, or you can also have it on your computer, and it consists of nine different fields. And you are looking at your strategy or your business model 
from different perspectives. So you're looking at the customers, where are they, what customer segments are you planning to serve, how do you plan to interact with your customers, what channels are you uh, planning to use to reach your customers, what's your value proposition, what kind of key activities do you have to develop, what costs do you have, what resources do you need, what partners do you have to have on board, and of course, uh, also the financial aspect, you know, what's the revenue stream. And the beauty of this canvas is that it, a, it forces you to really look at something from very different angles. But also, once you've done that, you have it all on one sheet of paper and it becomes very, very clear visually. So this is something that I have worked with myself in the past for strategic tasks that I had to uh, tackle. I found that very useful and I would encourage you to also try that out. Looking back, we've tried to cover first the basics of strategy, what it is and what it isn't. Let me remind you, it is not about becoming better. This is operational effectiveness. It is about doing different things or doing things differently from your competitors. That is what good strategy is all about. To develop one, you could look at the blue ocean, try to come up with something completely new, innovative, where you don't face any competition. And you should also be clear about the purpose and the mission of your enterprise or your organization. To dig a little bit deeper, you can use either the very quick and dirty SWOT analysis or, which I would recommend, sit down and try to come up with a business model canvas. This was it for today. Obviously, not everything has been said that can be said about strategy, so we'll revisit this topic in future episodes, but I hope that it is something that you can put into practice in a useful way. This was another episode of the Whole Grain Leadership Podcast. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe to it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or whatever your favorite podcasting platform may be. Of course, I would also be delighted if you would leave a review or rate it there. And you can also go to our website at www.wholegrainleadership.com to check out the show notes of this episode. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.